Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team to left center deep god brewers lead it and a swing and a miss he struck him out down the line and that's the ball game hey brewers fans it's sophia minert we're back for episode two of brewers unfiltered joined by adam McKelvey, tim dillard guys bright early we're excited and we're getting closer to opening day. The countdown is very real. How are we all feeling? I'm feeling caffeinated because I opened my eyeballs at 5.07 a.m. We are, uh, Sophia and I are at a 6.12 a.m. at this point. But the reason we're going early is a really good one, right? Because Tim Dillard is on his way to the desert. Yeah, yeah. Kind so of. So blame, you're blaming me for this Well, not early. blaming. I mean, look, I said this. This is not much earlier than we all get going normally yeah. for this bizarre spring training experience that we have so i miss spring training like it's dark right now <laughs> like i can see your window and there's just it's darkness that's terrible i'm in tennessee and it's it's so bright and amazing and yeah i'm driving as soon as we're done here i gotta go get a haircut obviously uh and then i'm going straight to milwaukee to get on a plane and fly to arizona so a lot of stuff so thanks for accommodating and blaming and this all just means that things are happening, right? Because <laughs> yeah, Tim's coming yeah, to spring buzz. training. Yeah. We're getting closer to opening day. Tim's making his his pilgrimage to <laughs> Milwaukee for the season. <laughs> Tim, do you have like your video all blocked out? Like what you're going to shoot at the gas station? What snacks you're going to get? I was going to, and then my youngest just brought me the my backup phone from years ago, and it, it like the, it, the power's dying on it too quick. So I don't know if I can shoot a time lapse or not. I'm going to have to get that squared away before I pull out of the drive, but it's already been hectic. My oldest uh, overslept, missed the bus, had to take the older, older two to school. So everything's been going. Oh yeah. The, the haircut people canceled on me. Like, we'll just reschedule another time. It's like, I'm driving today. So anyway, <laughs> hopefully we don't screw this up too bad. I need one thing to go right today. Well, we, we want you to get to Milwaukee safely, so let's maybe ask for a couple more things to go right. We want you to get yeah, to Milwaukee yeah, I mean safely, <laughs> and we want you to get to Arizona safely. So y'all, y'all know what I drive, so this is still about 50-50 on if I make it or not. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of making it, we are getting closer to opening day, March 30th coming up very quickly, next week already at Wrigley Field, and still some roster discussions, decisions, still a little uncertainty about who is going to be there um, on that opening day roster. One of those, we've talked about this a little bit, guys, is is first base, and this has been sort of a, a new story at camp so far with, with Luke Voigt and his situation of adding him as a non-roster invitee and then extending his his opt-out deadline now to March 24th. But he is definitely doing his part um, to make this a tough decision for the Brewers. So, guys, what are you, what are you seeing on the first base situation? And now that um, Team Mexico from the World Baseball Classic is out, Rowdy Telez will be coming back. We know he'll be a big part there as well. But what do you guys think with, with Luke Voigt and what he's done at camp so far? I'll jump in from just from the Arizona perspective. You know, the the World Baseball Classic probably worked out well in this situation because it meant the Brewers have had tons of at-bats to give to Luke Voigt and tons of innings at first base to kind of see what they think. Um, And Rowdy obviously has been was huge for for Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. So he got his work in in a supercharged environment and and that. So it kind of worked out really well. 
Um, if the question is like, are we going to predict what happens with Luke Voigt? I think they're going to keep him. I think they want to keep him. I think it's tricky because as we sit here at what is the date nine days before opening day, um, there are, I think more roster spots up in the air than is typical for this time of year. And it's a combination of Luke Voigt, the situation with Luke Voigt and the situation in the outfield where, uh, Garrett Mitchell came back. Uh, yesterday against the Mariners from a little hamstring hiatus. He's supposed to play again today um, and in a minor league game and get some more ABs. So things are looking good there, but like they need to just monitor that and see where he's at. And with Tyrone Taylor also down, they have like question marks in the outfield. So that all circles back to Luke Voigt because the roster is this puzzle. Um, and, and Sophia, you nailed it. Like, he's done his part over the last, what, 10 days or so, starting with a home run against the Cubs in Mesa. He's hit for power. He's hit the gaps. He's just impacted the baseball. And that's what they want to see from him. And if they're going to squeeze him onto this roster, it's going to be because he's a big bat. Agreed. I mean, he it, it all shakes out. I, to me, it's going to go, who's going to, who's going to be in right field? Like, what are you going to do? You got to yeah. keep. Uh, when it comes to like Brasso and Brian Anderson, like how are they going to fit pieces in there? And then it goes with Winker. If if Jesse Winker is going to be the DH, um, you know, you if if Luke Voigt's going to be there, you need his bat in the lineup. So if it's a lefty, uh, is he playing first or is he DHing? You know, and mm-hmm. so a lot of that's going to come into play. And it's and it's hard to know. And I, Adam, you said it perfectly. Usually by now, there's not what forty six guys in camp <laughs> with yeah. You know, you're a week from leaving. Uh, that that's pretty strange. Uh, just, but that's a good thing. You know, nobody's ever got the end of spring and be like, Oh man, we only got seven guys to put out there. No, you got 30 that you can put out there and it, it creates a great problem and good for those guys because a lot of springs you at the end, or if you get sent down, I've, I've heard the meetings and the yellings, uh, when guys are getting sent down to minor league camp, like I didn't get any at bats. Um, yeah. but you start looking at the, the innings that these guys have played, uh, the world, obviously the world baseball classic helps, but everyone is getting showcased everybody. Um, and that's another, just a benefit of the WBC. But I, I think everyone has performed and Luke Voigt has come on strong and I faced him in the minor leagues when he was with, who did he come with the Cardinals? Yeah. Um, and you just don't make a mistake to a guy like that. And he doesn't wear an undershirt. So you can see his, <laughs> <laughs> he definitely leads the Brewers you know, in showing skin. And if he, he doesn't care, he leads the exactly. league in showing he doesn't skin. Care. <laughs> taco meat sticking out of the top. If he doesn't care, then that, as a pitcher, you're like, don't make a mistake to this kind of guy. And and he grips it and rips it. And he's always been that way. So to do damage and he fits right in with this kind of, with this brewer squad. So yes, I think he makes it. It's just going to be um, where all the other pieces fit in. And I really hope that Brian Anderson's at third base, but as things go on, it's almost, to me, it looks like he may get pushed to right field. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I think Brian Anderson is in a, a really unique position because he's obviously done all of that. He's he's played third base, he's played in the outfield in Miami, and and the Brewers will likely ask him to do both. And and again, because of the WBC, because you know Willie Adamas, Luis Arias, uh, Abraham Toro, because they were away for the WBC, that was by design with Brian Anderson to get him as much infield time as possible in the early half of camp, let's call it. And we're just now seeing him over the last three, four days start to get time in the outfield. And I had a conversation with Brian the other day, and he said, you know, that was what he told them that he's most comfortable with. He prefers to get extended time, build that foundation, and then get his time in the outfield. And you guys mentioned, you know, with Garrett Mitchell's hamstring, Tyrone Taylor's elbow, that might be a fit for him early. But, you know, now that they're going to get Luis Arias back here in the mix, what does that mean for Brian Anderson and Mike Brasso? And now, you know, Weicho is going to get more time back in the infield. And, um, you know, how those pieces could could move, you know. And we know, you know, Willie Adamas will be that short, that fixture at shortstop. Yeah, Sophia, you make a good point about Brian Anderson. And Craig Council told us the other day in one of our morning sessions that, um, we were talking specifically about Brian Anderson, that where he begins the season primarily playing doesn't mean that's where he's going to be all season. So, Tim, I think both things could happen, that you could get your wish that Brian Anderson primarily plays third base by the time this thing is done, but that early in the season, because they're being super productive of Mitchell 
and because Tyrone Taylor is out for at least April is sort of the, the latest of what we think. There's just a big need. There's a big hole in right field right now. And Brian Anderson has played there. He's got this sensational arm. He could be just the guy that they need to be out there at the beginning. And he's had a nice spring at the plate, kind of quietly, you know, boringly consistent almost, which is exactly what you want. Um, so I think that that's just a lesson in general that what, what council said, I think you can extrapolate that to a bigger picture. Like what the, what things look like on opening day is not what things look like on, I mean, literally April 1st, <laughs> a day later, uh, or what they look like on May 1st, August 1st, end of the season. And I, we, we really get locked in on opening day because it's really fun to try to piece together the roster and play armchair GM. But in today's game where 60 guys are going to play for your baseball team by the time the season is over, I would just caution against that and try to think of this as not, it's not setting an opening day roster as much as it's setting an opening day organization. And you have to choose who you keep in that group that is controllable and who you let go. And there's going to be some guys they probably let go, but they want to keep the group of guys they like that they have access to as large as possible because I don't know the last time a team used 25 in the old days players throughout a season. It's, it's more than 25 and now 26. You need, you need a lot of players who are going to help you through the year. That's a good point. Look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals is starting pitching. They use 14 starting pitchers. That was the most by the Cardinals. I don't even know why I know this since like 2002. So things like that, they, they know that in this day and age, it's okay to go up and down and all that kind of stuff, but it's about who you can keep. You know, I, and I saw where, you know, Tyler Naquin's on a minor league contract. It'd be really tough, I think, for him to make this team just because if you bring Luke Voigt in at first and then Brian Anderson has to go to right because you got to have Brasso has to make the team too. Maybe he's not the everyday starter, but then you start putting other pieces in place. And I don't know, I, we do this, but you know, players do it in the clubhouse too. If they're, if they're the bubble guys and they're on the fringe, they're like, okay, if this happens and this happens and this happens, I mean, you can't help but do it. It's your livelihood. Yeah. It's and your they job. all say they don't. And they say, yeah, everyone says they don't because <laughs> that's the right answer. It's like, well, yeah, yeah I go, of course I go home and grab in and out burger. And I stress about this. No, they don't. They I wouldn't. get my, I get my, uh, like whiteboard out and yeah. the, the marker and try to do the roster. That's what I do at my, uh, spring. Yeah. The gift, the gif of the dude from it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And he's like, yeah, yeah I don't yeah, even yeah. know. I don't even watch that show, but it's the fun. He's, yeah. He's pointing out all the theory. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I added on. Well, it's, I mean, the opening day roster, it's like, you know, math equations, it's Tetris puzzles. It's <laughs> you're trying and like, you know, it, you know, you are, you're trying to preserve pieces. You're trying to, you know, preserve depth, all of that. And, you know, one guy that we expect to see at some point this season, whether it's opening day or not, is is Bryce Trang, who's gotten mm-hmm. great run just all over the field. Um, it feels like he's in the lineup every day. Um, we're getting a great look at Bryce Trang. He's performed really well. We've gotten to know him a little bit personally as well, just on The Freshman, which premiered last week. We've got episode two coming out very, very soon. So that's going to be great. Um but Bryce Terang, he's it just feels like he's really put it all together. And he had a great year last year in AAA. And I think we are just seeing that carry over with just like a really confident player and putting all the tools together. It's just it's been fun to watch him, I think, in spring training. Yeah, I I, I enjoy him. I, I think he honestly, he could be the everyday guy. He could be, but they don't he didn't have to be right now. That's kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to baseball but he's done everything to earn it like just watching these games his at bats I, I, I think he's a hitter he's going to steal bags he's going to cause mayhem on the bases but he can play shortstop and second so naturally and the inning the other day against the Reds I'm not sure which day it was whenever they played the Reds it within a two inning span he was already part of a double play a force a force out um, at second and a stolen base tag like all three of the things that you have to do in middle infield, he did it like boom, boom, boom. And it's a and as a player, former player, you're looking at how they position their feet, how are they setting up, how are they avoiding the runner, um, and it's it is nothing looks hard for this kid. Nothing looks difficult. You know, we talked about Brian Anderson and, and the way he's having a quiet, you know, consistent spring. Um, Terang's the same way. You take it for granted because it's not super flashy, but it is super easy looking and. To me, he's ready. He's ready right now, but I it's it's tough 
just because the way baseball is, you know, you don't have to have him right now. You don't have to activate his service time or all that kind of stuff, but I think he deserves it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like our podcast overlord, Ezra Siegel is the one who, as we were, you know, sort of working through what we're going to talk about today. He's the one who, he, he made a great point. I think of anyone who benefited most from the world baseball classic happening, yep. it's, it might be Bryce Terrain. Because with Willie Adamas gone, with, with Luis Urias gone, those are two guys who would have played the bulk of shortstop. And Terang has gotten tons of play all over the infield and impressed as if he needed to impress more. I mean, this guy can play in the big leagues. Yep. And I would just caution everybody. Again, we were just talking about how the roster is like big picture for the season. You know, Bryce Terang, Sal Freelich, uh, Joey Weimer, there's a there's a great chance those guys begin the year in the minor leagues, and there are uh, many different reasons for that. And and the tendency for everybody is going to be to maybe freak out if they're not in the big leagues on day one. They're going to be in the big leagues. And again, setting the roster is about trying to keep as many players available to you as you possibly can, uh, and and that is part of this equation. So. You know, look, Ezra, speaking of Ezra, did a lot of work on that, that freshman. And you guys are, I mean, people are going to love episode two. Um, it's really fun. I think Sal probably is the star of episode two. Is that? Yeah, he took over that episode. I love Terang. I love Terang on that podcast, the way he sits back with his arms crossed. He's like, to me, I, I said this last week, he's the dude. <laughs> um, but Sal is highly entertaining in this episode, mostly because he had a he has a 15 pound bag of Sour Patch Kids <laughs> that he's pushing on the other players. <laughs> so, you know, I love him like anybody who's pushing candy on their their fellow teammates. That's because that's what I do up in the press box all day. Wait, you do? Yes. <laughs> it's a Jolly Rancher Jellybean season with. With Easter here, so I'm loaded up on Jolly Rancher Jelly. This is your time to shine. Well, we're going to take a a coffee and candy break for Adam, and we've got a lot more to discuss regarding Brewers baseball. we got a lot more coming up here on Brewers Unfiltered. We're back on Brewers Unfiltered. Sophia, Adam, Tim, guys, we talked a little bit about this in terms of some of the uncertainty on the roster and and I think the outfield has been affected by this the most in regards to health and it it started with Tyrone Taylor getting the PRP injection in his right elbow Um, Adam as you said he's expected to miss at least a month Um, we probably won't see him until May best case scenario Um, and then with Garrett Mitchell dealing with the hamstring issue they were obviously being very cautious with that Um, don't want any lingering things here at spring training but also Garrett you know he only played in 20 plus games last year. Um, he has not gone through a full major league season, obviously. And so, you know, they are going to have to protect him and give him days off. Um, you know, he's not going to be ready to go for the full 162 from the health front. So that being said, you know, we talked a little bit about how Brian Anderson could be a part of that picture. Tyler Naquin as well. Um, how do you guys think that that whole picture is going to shake out at least early, right? At least for what we know is going to be early. Yeah. I think early, it's just going to be some mixing and matching. And um, look, every player is different when it comes to injuries. Some players are Giannis who gets, you know, banged up so bad. You think he's going to be out for six months and he's playing two days later. Uh, And some athletes are, it takes a little longer. And I think if you look at the track record so far of Garrett Mitchell, it's a story of when he is healthy, he is electricity on the field. He does everything you want on defense, on the bases and at the plate and and the power is coming. So like, how do you get him on the field and in the batter's box as much as possible? And I think the answer with him is that when he has these things come up, there's been hamstrings in the minors as well. I think his first instructs, he missed a little bit of time with a hamstring after he was drafted. Um, you need to give him time, as Sophia said, a little extra time to get back to 100% to avoid this becoming a big thing. And, and also, on top of that, he's talked very much about the fact that because he's a type 1 diabetic, that requires a different level of body care and nutrition and everything else a player does to, to get out on the field every day. So he is a little different case than other guys. And I think like 
this experience going into what's what hopefully is his first full major league season is kind of a good uh, primer for us, for the fans, about how things could go when he gets a little dinged up. They're going to take time with him. So that makes the guys around him really important. And, you know, Tyler Naquin is a guy, non-roster guy. They need to figure out, do we want him on the, give him a 40-man spot? I think they will because I think they need that depth. I think they need the experience. And the 40-man's very tight, but I think they just have to do it. And it makes Joey Weimer really intriguing because Sal's a left-handed hitter. Weimer's a right-handed hitter, and that makes him super valuable because uh, they're a little, you know, Luke Voigt, they love Luke Voigt because he, partly because he is a right-handed power guy, and they need that. So Craig Council raised this the other day. Joey Weimer is in camp. He's got a uniform. He's got a shot. And that was uh, a little eye-opening and a should be pretty exciting for Brewers fans. This guy is right on the cusp. We talked about him last week. He's a beast. He's also very, very fun in the latest episode of The Freshman, playing poker um, with Sal and the boys. So it's it's going to be a, a, a bunch of moving pieces early in the year, and I think all of those guys are going to be part of it. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think Joey Weimer, had, I, I don't know. I, I think he's ready. I think you have to be cautious of who can play center field. Yeah. Right? Like you can't. If if Garrett Mitchell, if he needs a day or whatever that looks like, you have to have someone that can not just fill in, but do a good job in center field. Yep. To me, that's kind of the difference. But I think Joey Weimer can be that guy. That guy is menacing at the plate uh, on the base paths. He causes disengagements, right? Is that what they're calling it now? <laughs> like is, he just yeah. <laughs> I, And to me, why not? I mean, you brought up Garrett Mitchell. He was ready. You know, if you need to throw a Weimer in right, if that's what it takes, then then do it. And, and, and showcase these guys. You know, there's no downside to that, except you don't get to keep everybody that you want to keep. Uh, but the upside is, hey, we trust you. We we know what kind of guy you are. We know you're physically uh, and you know ready for this. Uh, I don't know. I I think Sal Freelich's just the natural hitter, but he is a lefty. I think they got some lefties, and um, I don't know. I, I I have a hard time thinking that all these guys can make it. <laughs> but they're all really good and you all you want to see them all out there and I know the Nashville Sounds at AAA for the Brewers are like you know what maybe just send them all back to us yeah, <laughs> for, yeah, yeah. for a month just send them down and, here for April you know we'll May. just lead in attendance again and beat everybody uh, but that's you know sometimes these guys are just you know victims of the situation and but yes you do want experience but you got to have somebody that can play center field so um, that's what they're going to go with, I think, is someone that can play right and definitely center field. But uh, I think I, if you can wing, if they can figure it out, Joey Weimer needs to make this team. Well, just just to follow on that, if I can, uh, you know, I don't know, Tim. You know this more than I do. I don't know that there's such a thing as too much time in the minor leagues, but I know there's such thing as too little time in the minor. I've leagues. I've had too much for... time. In the minor <laughs> like three lifetimes in the minor leagues. Yeah. Ah, that's nah, touche. Touche. I guess I'm talking about. I mean, not that you were not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seasoned big hot shot prospect. <laughs> but but for a guy, like, I mean, those guys have not spent a lot of time at AAA Nashville. Like they could benefit from that time. I think the club can make that case credibly. But they did good. Um, but they did good. It's not like they went there and failed. They did good. But I'm just saying that if they start them there, I think I think the club can credibly say they would benefit from a month at AAA. Yeah, that's the and safe And we'll bet. all sit and debate it on the yeah. side whether that's the right decision or not. But they have a plethora, right? Not of pinatas, but of outfielders. So throw them out there. If, you know, if a guy goes out there and tell him that, say, listen, we're going to throw you out in right field every day. You struggle. We'll just send you down. Doesn't mean we don't like you. It just means give another guy an opportunity rather than but haven't let's you keep seen them that all down. Haven't you seen that with players, Tim, where that hurts them then where they're up too early, they struggle, they, they, and then they're never the same. Yes. Um, I would say it, it depends on the player a lot of times uh, and the opportunity where they were and how they got there and I don't know. Uh, to me, risk reward, but I don't think there's a lot of yeah. risk with some of these guys. I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I just have seen enough minor league baseball, and I'm like, this guy, these guys should not be in the minor leagues. I, I, I yeah. That's just my personal scruffy bearded opinion. Well, to Adam's point too, I think the the thing that Joey Weimer has to his advantage, if you're making a choice, is the fact that he's right-handed. Um, yeah. Just having that option in the outfield, I think just specifically the way that the roster is constructed right now, he has that advantage. Um, 
But also, I mean, we've seen like when they call up these prospects, traditionally, they want them to play every day. You know, they don't Mm -hmm. bring them up with the idea of you're going to sit on the bench. Now, it might not be you're going to get a start every day, but the expectation is that you're you're going to be in the lineup and you're going to get regular at bats and you're going to get, you know, an extended run here because I think, you know, Adam, to your point, they prefer these guys to be on the field every day, whether that is in AAA or whether that's up with the major league team. So that is a great the guy point. we haven't talked about is Owen Miller. We should say yeah, his name yeah. because he's going to be so important. I think early on because this center field has gone pretty well. Yeah. He looks good in center. Um, there was one play coming in. Was it Sunday against the Reds where he kind of had a misread and then he missed a ball coming in like that. That's perfect Ari- that's because, Arizona. <laughs> but that's also what yeah. you want down here, right? Like you want a tough read and you want misplays like, I remember when Ryan Braun picked up first base for the first time and everyone was like, look, we want to see mistakes because you like want to, you want to do it down here. You want to have those tough plays. And Owen Miller, I would say in his last couple of games has like really been tested in center, which is perfect. I think they feel pretty good about him out there. And you know, he's wearing a Josh Van meter outfield glove. Maybe he'll have to get his own at some point, but um, he's going to be really important to that whole mix because he's shown, I think that he can do, I don't know if you want him out there for like four weeks straight, but he's shown that he can go out there and play center field. Yeah, I know we got to turn the page, but one more thing on the whole why I'm vying for Joey Weimer to to make this team. And I, it, and Sophia, you brought up the perfect point. They don't want to bring these guys up and just let them sit on the bench and then get in at bat every once in a while. I think back to Brad Nelson. Y'all remember Brad Nelson? Oh, yeah. Dude, I saw this guy. He was a pure hitter. He could crush. Brewers call him up, sits on the bench, gets one at bat a week. He's just not that guy. I think that hurt him. So if you have a chance to have an open spot in right field, throw Joey Weimer. And the reason I say that, too, is because, like, vying for Brian Anderson to play third base. When have the Brewers had a third baseman that they could just put there and then just leave there? You know, they're always filling in and doing this. Like, just put a guy there and just leave him there. You know, if he stays healthy and productive, then there you go. That's a result of just having that consistency of just being there. So if you have a chance to have two guys play two positions – primarily to me that's more of a win than let's see if we can mix and match and try to outdo everything anyway sorry that was all well one guy that we do expect um to hopefully you know and healthy be on the roster and, and a big part of the pitching plans is our old friend wade miley old friend our old friend back from 2018 Mosquito eradication specialist wade <laughs> miley <laughs> Oh, it's so good to have Wade back. Um, but it's been it's been fun to watch him, you know, be back with the with the guys, be back in the clubhouse. Um, he's like a bit behind in terms of how he's building up the rest of the starters, but I do think he's going to be an important piece just in terms of having another lefty in there. Felt like he was always pitching at the pace of a pitch timer anyway, so I think he'll exactly. be he'll be a natural fit. Um, and it, it, I think it's also cool just his personal relationships with guys like, you know, Brandon and Corbin and Freddie. Of, I mean, think about how different things were in 2018 when when Wade was here watching those guys where they were at that time and now, you know, where things are now. So Wade's going to be a big part of it. And then, you know, some other some other names that are going to be really interesting as we're trying to piece this this bullpen together. What do you guys think? Well, I think Miley is really important. I think he'll, you know how many innings he pitches, you know, when they got Brett Anderson a couple of years, they, it wasn't like with the idea of pitching 200 innings that may be the same for Wade Miley. Um, and you, as you get Aaron Ashby eventually back, as you get Adrian Hauser starts here and there, you've got some other options to use in that spot. But uh, you know, look, he is super fun in the clubhouse. We haven't written about him much because it's mostly, you can't write what he says. (laughs) So we'll work on that a little bit. (laughs) Um, but I think he's one of those little, like, look, going into the year, rightfully, the focus is on, like, Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, right? Those are your dudes. And they're the one. But those pieces kind of at the end of the rotation, at the fringes of the roster, win you games that make the difference in the end. So, you know, Javi Guerra, I keep bringing up his name. I think he's super important to this team this year. They have Questions in the bullpen. They love his arm. It's really, you know, the, the ceiling is pretty high on what he could be. Um, we love the Rule 5 guys at this year. Gus Varland pitched against the Mariners and got great praise from Craig Council after the game. They have a big decision to make on him because, remember, they got to keep him on the big league roster or send him back to the Dodgers. And 
They've got lots of out of options guys. They've, you know, bullpen is so important to this team. That's a big decision that's going to happen here in the waning days of spring training. So I think guys like the Wade Miley's and the guys sort of at the back end of things can be super important. And they have a couple of pretty key decisions on Wade, by the way, it looks like they've made one decision. Like he's going to be that fifth guy and Hauser, it looks like will open, you know, everything going the way it's going right now. Hauser kind of begins in the pen and then gets his starts later on. Yeah. I didn't know that. Was that new? It's new this week. I think we're going to see him. Well, Tuesday, depending on when the pod comes out, people will have already seen him Okay, or they will see him. We'll see how quickly Ezra can, yeah, it doesn't have his. It's good people on this. It's good for the Brewers to have more left-handed starters. I mean, look what the other teams have done in, in just the NL Central going to get lefties. Um, they just they're they're effective. So you get a proven guy like Wade Miley is smart, and then it, the the problem is it pushes out Hauser, which to me Hauser is is just one step away from being Brandon Webb. You back in the day when he just threw nothing but bowling ball sinkers and got ground balls and was in the Cy Young and then voting for, you know, five years straight. And I think, I think Hauser's going to be a, a big piece. I think if he does start in the bullpen and, and gets that under his feet, gets back used to that and then gets a spot start, we may see something special. Um, he, you know, we keep saying, oh, this guy's going to, you know, make a big splash and this guy. And I think Hauser's going to just come out and dominate. I think the way, Things have been limited. The shift, uh, things like that, are going to play into right into Adrian Hauser's hands. I, I think he's going to have a big year, and if he has to start in the pen, it probably should start him in the pen over Wade Miley. <laughs> so it's smart by the Brewers, yeah. And I like Gus Varland too, and Javi Guerra. I think these guys can play. Javi Guerra needs to make the team. They need to tell him. They may have already told him. I don't know how that works so i'm not there yet yeah i don't know if they've his stuff I don't know if they've made those calls his I think sinker they, is unbelievable and now he's dabbling with a four-seamer which i don't know if that's new or what but he's throwing a four-seamer at the top of the zone um it's an electric fastball a fastball that you can throw um nine out of ten times and it's effective and that's to, that to me that's a, a low i don't know what you call it as a coach you sit there and you see it and you're like oh he could just throw a fastball every single time I like guys like that. I think Hauser could throw a fastball every single time and get away with it. Guys like that that have one pitch that they can throw over and over and over, low risk. So, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that either. <laughs> well, I will, I, will, I will pile on with the praise for Javi Guerra. Um, one of my favorite parts about doing the spring training broadcast here is that we get to talk to players during the game, which we, we typically don't get to do that during the regular season, obviously. And Holby Milner, I asked him about some of the the guys that he had seen, and Javi Guerra was the name that he came up with. And I love how he described it. He said, the dude's got ridiculous fuel. So I feel like that's that's now the bar for Javi Guerra. Um, and then also talking with Carlos Villanueva, he has spent a ton of time working with Javi Guerra. And William Contreras got the chance to catch him the other day and said that, told Villa that... Um, Javi Guerra has probably some of the nastiest stuff of anyone that he has caught in camp. And he has caught a lot of Corbin Burns. And so I think when your catchers are starting to notice too, like the ball just comes out different um, with him. Uh, velocity aside, it's just, it's it's different. And so I think catchers know, right? Catchers know more catchers than know. Catchers, catchers know, know more than anybody. And um, so I, I, I agree. I think all of those guys, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to follow. I think the, the bullpen is always very fluid. And I think this year could be just as fluid as any other year as we have seen um, as they try to navigate the pieces to get the ball to hopefully Devin Williams um, in the That's ninth. a good point uh, with Contreras, too. Catchers, you know, they do know. But if, if you're catching Corbin Burns, you're talking about a cutter. You know, you're, you're catching guys throwing really hard. That's one thing. But when you're throwing hard as a sinker, that's when the catcher goes and gets that thumb guard. <laughs> I've never had a catcher be like, hold on before you throw a pitch. Let me go get my thumb, thumb guard. <laughs> I've never had that. <laughs> so for a guy to be like, oh, let me get this thing on so I don't break it. Um, yeah, catchers know. It's just a nasty movement that comes out. So that's what I've, I've been seeing over camp is this guy's potential is is super high. And, you know, why why waste it in AAA right now when you have a guy that could, you know, be your seven, eighth inning guy out of the gate. Well, this is going to be a great transition. Speaking of catchers, yeah, <laughs> Adam wrote a great article about our guy, Bill Schroeder. And it's a milestone year for Rock, um, as Adam pointed out, that 
as a player and as a broadcaster now, it's going to be 40 years with the Brewers for Rock, which is just an amazing, amazing accomplishment. So, um, Adam, since it's your story, I'll let you tee it up of kind of what your what your angle was and then like, you know, to acknowledge this this great accomplishment for Rock. Yeah, look, and maybe I did a little fuzzy math because I'm counting one year he did on WTMJ hosting a postgame show, partly with our old friend Len Casper the radio voice of the Chicago White Sox. So that's how, <laughs> that's how I got to 40 by counting. Look, that counts. That's broadcast. Tim, you do a lot of post game. Those are not easy. Those totally you gotta, count. You know, yeah. listen to people talk about bunting for <laughs> two hours every night. Um, it is, uh, look, Rock is, uh, uh, Vasker, Matt Vaskersian told me this as I was working on this. Baseball is a game of 162 games, and it's, what, eight months if you count spring training in the regular season almost and, and postseason. There is so much interpersonal drama that has the potential to unfold over that time, and it happens in the clubhouse, it happens in the press box, it happens in the broadcast booth. Matt Vaskersian said it never happens with Rock. He's one of those guys where, like, nobody ha- can say a bad word about Rock. And... There is something to be said for having a presence like that on the team. And Sophia, I know how much he means to you. I heard from all these other former uh, members of your uh, your fraternity in the last couple of days since that story came out, who all say the same thing about how Rock was such an influence on them in uh, their career, but in life. And, and look, Vaskersian, again, I, I love Matt Vaskersian, so let's talk about him for two hours. You know, he's, Vaskersian was like, I said on the right side of 30 when he got the Brewers gig in the 90s, and he was having a lot of fun on the air and off. And Vaskersian openly says Rock was like the one who said, it was something like, slow down, young bull. I put it in the story. And he'd always say that, and it was broadcasting advice and life advice. So Rock, for all of us, me too. Yep. Like he's the guy who's sort of, you know, he's our, he's our beloved uncle. Tim, I'll I'll let you jump in on that too, because you you get to you know you get to fill in for him now, and I know for you you know coming over and joining us on the TV side, um, I know you have picked his brain a lot on on how to do this job and how to do it well, and and the things that you have to do in order to do this job for almost thirty years. Uh, Rock is amazing. Um, we're, we're blessed that we get to know him and hang around him. And he's just a low heart rate guy, right? Like he's just, you talk to him, it's easy. Um, And yes, you're going to get life advice along with, you know, (laughs) broadcasting advice. And I've just been eating it up. I I love it when he's in some of the videos that I make. I'm like, Rock, I need you to yell this. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Like he doesn't say why. And I'm like, just, yeah, he he just gets it. Um, And I've gotten to know him even more so with like the fantasy camp that goes on in January and, and all what he does with those guys and how he keeps in touch with them. And he's just such a personable guy and genuine. Um, and I think what you're alluding to with the article is like, you don't always get that. You don't always get that uh, in this game because there's so much turnover. Everyone's going, everyone's trying to fight for something. And then, and rocks just steady. He just, yeah, I'm glad in fantasy camp, I left that out of the article and that was a mistake. I should have, you know, if I could have had more space, even I'd love to talk to some of you guys who took part in that because that's something he puts his heart into as well. And um, I, I, I know some people who've gone through the fantasy camp, and it's such a fun experience. And I, 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 that needed to at least be mentioned in that story. So I'm glad that you mentioned it here. That that's also one of his huge, huge projects that he takes on. We could talk about Rock for hours. We should have him on. <laughs> we will have him on. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. We're just getting started. We've got a lot. We've got a lot to get through. Um, Sophia, do you ever do rock lunches? Yes. I listen. I love rock. I jokingly call him like my work dad. Um, he is like my dad, my uncle, my friend, my you know TV partner, teammate, all of that. I've learned so so much from him. Um, and I think honestly, the biggest thing that I've taken away from him is just his consistency. And I mean that with just everything, I, with how he does the job, with how he treats people, how he shows up every day. Um, he jokingly calls himself like he's like, well, I'm just the old shoe here, you know, and because he's obviously been here the longest on the TV side and none of us can compare to what Bob has done on the radio side. But he's just I don't think people understand it's it's not an easy job to show up and do every day for the hours that especially he and BA are on 
um, every night. And so I've just learned a lot from him about how to be consistent, how to be fair. And one of the things that he always told me early, and he still reminds me of this today, he's is just that, and it's cliched, but it's very true. He said, you just never know when somebody could be watching for the first time. So don't assume anything. You know, don't assume that just because you feel you're saying it for the one millionth time about how good Corbin Burns's cutter is or whatever it is, someone could be watching for the first time. And so it's our responsibility to treat our fans and our viewers like that, right? Like with with care and respect. And hopefully we, you know, you're they're informed and they're entertained and maybe we make them laugh a little bit. And um, the dynamic that you see between all of us on the air is very real. And for me, like the people are the best part of the job and rock is is a huge, huge part of that. So I'm so happy that Adam did that and we got to celebrate some rock and it was fun. I was, and I enjoyed hearing from his other partners, too. So I'm glad you did that, Adam. Well, thanks. Thank you for thank you for the plug. Thank you for reading. So. <laughs> way. Yeah, I read, too. <laughs> I don't read <laughs> all I don't read all your yep. stuff. <laughs> Two clicks, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, we're going to take another quick break and then we have another rapid round. And then Adam and I have to get to work. So we're going to take a quick break. Another sip of the coffee. We'll be right back on Brewers Unfiltered. All right, guys, rapid round and no, no uh, dwaddling. Is that our term, Adam? No dwaddling. We're going to do this rapid. <laughs> yes, no dwaddling. Okay. Um, last night, huge moment. Luis Arias, three-run bomb for Mexico. I love seeing Weicho, how fired up he was, rounding the bases, the celebration. Rowdy Telez waiting for him there at home plate. Uh, favorite brewer to watch in the WBC. And we still got Devin. So, by the way, let's go Devin and Team USA. Tim, who's your guy? Who, uh, uh, I mean, honestly, Sal Freelich. Just yeah, he's a he's a hitsman. You know, I love guys that show up every day and just can put the ball all over, all over the place. Uh, but I love the Weicho moment. We've seen him hit home runs, but to do it off uh, Sasaki, the guy's throwing 102 miles an hour and throwing a split finger. He was nasty. Probably one of the best pitchers that's probably not in the big leagues right now. And for yep. him to do that, that's in that stage, uh, amazing moment. I loved Sal Freelich as well. Uh, the video that he posted of the Asian fans going crazy for Team Italy. I think that experience, that competitive uh, little spurt for Sal over there is going to be really good for him going into the year. All right. Well, I'll just I'll go with the Weicho moment then. I loved that. Um, the home run. Yeah. I just loved all of it. Devin's had some great moments as well. Um, His last appearance, he was really fired up. So I hope Devin gets the opportunity to pitch tonight in the championship game. And I cannot wait to hear from all of them when they get back. Um, This is a sad topic for me. March Madness. (laughs) Rest in peace to my Golden Eagles. They had a terrific season. Such a bummer to see them lose to Michigan State. Uh, did you guys do bracketology? Are we in? Are we out? I'll just say I didn't miss a single pick. I didn't get a single pick wrong. So you didn't pick any. You didn't make any. I don't think that was the question. <laughs> That's a staple, though, in the clubhouse. Every year, every spring training, somebody does, you know, prints up the brackets and you put in 20 bucks and, you know, you, it's it's fun. Yep. One year, I actually won in minor league camp. This was probably like 2008 or nine. And... So, you know, right when I won, which I, I don't win anything, I don't gamble much. I'm not a bracketsman, but like I don't win that much. So I was really excited. But the guy that took up the bracket and the money, he actually got released like the day before. So, oh, no. so did he leave with all the cash? He, he, he must keep that money because I ain't seen a nickel. That <laughs> that's a good little yeah, parting bonus. That's a lesson. My favorite uh, spring training March Madness moment is Mike Vassallo, our good friend, once asked Carlos Gomez, hey, Gomez, do you like March Madness? And Gomez said, who dat? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cl- I feel like that's classic Carlos Gomez. Um, okay, we talked about Rock a little bit and all of his years in the TV booth. Do you guys have a favorite memory of Rock on TV? Well, I didn't. I don't remember this, but Vaskersian was telling me about the time that Ringo Starr was in town with Ringo Starr's All Stars, at County Stadium. So they were. They said, "Well, we're going to have some uh, some members of the band come up to the booth and plug this event that was happening somewhere in Milwaukee." Vaskersian, of course, being Matt Vaskersian, loves that kind of thing. So he said, "Yeah, send them on up." And it was Peter Frampton. <laughs> so Vaskersian is like, you know, loves classic rock. 
and was just talking for inning after inning with Peter Frampton about, about rock and roll. And meanwhile, this game is happening against the Mariners, and the Mariners, like, batted around, and there were, like, four weird plays that required rules interpretations. And he said Rock kept calmly trying to, like, rain Vaskersian back in to, to, like, talk about the baseball that was happening. And I think that was sort of a good, again, Rock being, like, this calm, you know, he's there to work. And if you think about his partners over the years, <laughs> he's, like, had to rein a lot of guys in over the years. And this was one example of that. Does it have to be an on-air? I'll have to go try to find that find that tape. Is there a tape of it? Ooh, nice. I, well, I don't know. Probably a videotape somewhere. This is from the old days. This is from County 1990-whatever at County yeah, Stadium. VHS. Uh, does it have to be a moment on air? Because at his uh, Rock's cookout last year, <laughs> had a bonfire, and out of nowhere, you know, one of the, one of the wooden chairs that we're sitting in, like, breaks. And Rock's like, yeah, just throw that on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just burning his lawn furniture. That was, I don't know. I just, I don't remember laughing so hard because he was just like, yeah, throw it in. <laughs> I was like, all right. Anyway, burned. I, hopefully they got new ones, but that was a fun moment. Yeah, I, I can confirm. Rest in peace to um, Rock's Adirondack chairs from his backyard. Um, I have a million favorite moments. I will say, I mean, the two on-air calls that I think he's most known for are Ryan Braun's home run in 08 and then Mm. Ryan Braun's Grand Slam in St. Louis in 2020, no, 29, oh my gosh. 2020, oh geez, 2019. 2019, thank you. Yeah, 2019, Um, because then they went and clinched in Cincinnati. Correct. It was Ryan Braun's Grand Slam in St. Louis in 2019. Um and it's just it's his signature like yes call and he yeah. very rarely shows i mean it's the two times he's done it and he very rarely shows that kind of emotion in the booth but i just think anytime he he lets out that natural reaction i love um i will say last year one of the funnier stories i heard from him on the road when we were in boston he went for a walk um in in i think a, uh, somewhere uh in boston and his flip flops broke <laughs> <laughs> and he had to walk back to the team hotel barefoot. <laughs> but he held the other flip-flop. Oh my he God. held he the other it. flip-flop. Why did he keep it? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, to hear his wife, Kate, tell this story, I was like crying laughing. So Rock's walks on the road were legendary and they always went to a lunch spot and Sophia, I think I maybe learned this from you at some point along the line. You need to ask Rock for his lunch spots and then go. Yes. Because he has the best lunch spots on the road. In Baltimore last year, he told us, well, he and you told us about that little Italian joint that they used to go to with like, with Uke and Henry Aaron after games at that time. Correct. And had these like, you know, close the place at whatever time. um, And it was a pretty legendary spot. Good gnocchi. So good. Now I'm hungry. Um, Okay, last one. Stat of the week. Go ahead, Adam. You got it. Okay, mine's boring. It's nine. Nine days to opening day. Nine days to fill with content. (laughs) (laughs) My well is uh, relatively dry at this point, not going (laughs) to lie. Uh, But I do have two stories coming in the next week that I'm super excited about. Early in camp, I got Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns on video together, like talking about each other and what they love about each other. And eventually, like, I wasn't even part of it. It was just them having a conversation. And I wrote about how that whole conversation went. I'm super excited about that. And then speaking of Weicho and the World Baseball Classic, when there was a cool story about um, the Urias brothers that MLB and our my friend Maria Gordado, who covers the Giants, went down to Mexico, saw Luis's hometown at home, headlong, the whole thing. It was tremendous. Well, Willie Adamas was there just visiting because they hang out in the off season. So we have footage of that, which MLB, uh, my friends at MLB and MLB network put together into a cool video. So that's another story I want to tell here before the end of camp that I think is going to be cool because we got tons of pictures of them hanging out together over the years. They have become like, I mean, they're brothers, they're brothers. So that's another story I'm excited about. So I'm not, the well is not totally dry, but I'm just saying we're getting pretty close. Yeah. I don't even, my, my stat of the week I thought was boring, but that, you know, nine days is pretty boring. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
but this one, this one is bad. So I, I like predicting things. They don't ever come true, but I feel like I got a hunch um, with different stuff. And so my stat of the week is 12. It's three more than nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 12 is how under the league minimum of ground ball double plays that the Brewers got. So last year they had 101 ground ball double plays. The pitchers got. I love double plays. Sorry, I'm a pitcher. But that's 24th in Major League Baseball. 12 under the league minimum. They were 24th. 2021, they were 28th. And they were 22 under the league minimum. Here's what I'm getting at. The shift is going to put guys that know how to play baseball in the right position that there is going to be more double plays this year for the Brewers. I'm not going to say they're going to lead Major League Baseball, but they're going to have a bunch of double plays this year, and they have the talent to be able to do it. The shift, how many times last year, this is stuff I look for, how many times last year was they just content getting one out because of the dramatic shifts, right? You got a third baseman trying to turn two up the middle. Um, I think this is going to cause a lot of double plays. So guys that do want their double plays, Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, uh, Devin Williams, the guys that get the ball on the ground a lot, uh, if they're not you know, striking people out, it is, it's going to play to their benefit. So Brewers, they were 12 under the league minimum last year. They're going to be well on their way towards the top, I think. That is a new uh, Brewers unfiltered record between time uh, thought amount of thought put into stats of the week between me and Tim. I mean, I'm impressed, Tim. That was super insightful, yeah, I just, and I am very not impressed with myself for coming up with nine. Mine's terrible. It won't mean anything. I'll, I'm lying on this. I don't know what I'm doing. My stat of the week is as we're nine days away, as Adam pointed out, from opening day. Um, my number is 51, and that is the number of players that the team used last year. Um, so you can set your plus or minus if you think that's going to be 51 at the end of the 2023 season. But just for context for fans, I think it's that's important always to know is we start with 26. We know it takes a lot more. Last year it was 51. Some years it's gone into the 60s. Um, you know, and so hopefully everyone stays healthy, but it takes... It takes a whole it takes a whole lot to get through a major league season. So that is my number. And that, guys, is all we have for this episode of Brewers Unfiltered. It's been fun. Uh, despite the early start, I think we're over and under caffeinated. But I think, Tim, Godspeed on your road trip. We're looking forward to seeing you here in Arizona. Yeah, hopefully I make it. I may need a new fan belt on my car on the way, but we'll deal with that on the road. Our next episode will be recapping Tim's road <laughs> yeah, trip yeah, yeah. from Nashville yeah, exactly. to Milwaukee and then Milwaukee to Arizona. <laughs> that will be our next episode. But thanks so much for listening. You can follow Adam McKelvey at Adam McKelvey. You can also follow Tim Dillard at Dim Tillard. Makes you think about that one. Um, but thanks so much for listening to all of us. We got episode two of Brewers Unfiltered. We'll be back with you next week. <laughs> <laughs>